Welcome to the Fox Pro Podcast, brought to you by Fox Pro Game Calls. Hello everyone, I'm John Collins. Welcome back to the Fox Pro Podcast. Bobcat season is in across the country and that's what we're discussing on this episode. We've got Mr. Corey Groff joining us again. How's it going, Corey? You doing all right? Oh, I'm doing pretty pretty good, John. How about yourself? Oh, doing doing pretty good. Uh, it it you think you tell me a bit uh, a little bit ago that uh, the wind is sure rocking in the Show Me State. Sounds like. Yeah, it's actually not too bad today. I'm I'm I've been out in the field doing a little bit of scouting, and uh, you know we scheduled this thing, and I thought, well, I'll just stay out here in the field while I'm talking to you. So if we hear a little bit of wind, that's that's where I'm at. But uh, it's actually not too bad. But man, we have had a lot of windy days here the last, you know, month or so. It's just been kind of annoying some. <laughs> right. Well, you said you're out doing some scouting. What are you scouting for? Well, I'm scouting for bobcats, John. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. You know, that's definitely one of the things that, uh, you know, looking on Facebook and all that type of stuff, you know, I've been seeing several questions pop up on social media and, and some of our videos on YouTube and stuff like that about bobcats. And usually what they're asking about is sounds for bobcats. And, uh, on top of that, we filmed some cats come to the Fox pro here lately. And whenever I post anything about related to bobcats, usually my inbox really blows up and uh, there's, yep there's everybody's always asking about sounds and there's always the thing is there's more to calling bobcats than just the sounds that you use you know there's there's a lot of stuff that leads up to that and that's definitely some stuff i want to talk about um we will talk about i've i've already tagged a couple bobcats this season uh cory has punched a hole in one really nice bobcat and i think he's had a chance at another so we're going to talk about all those stands and uh, what what we did that make those stands successful but i also want to cover a few things that i think are sometimes overlooked when it comes to calling bobcats just like what you're doing right now uh cory out there scouting if um you know since we're already on that subject tell us tell us what you're kind of looking for what when you're scouting for bobcats what are you actually doing i know you're looking for spots to to kill a bobcat but what in what do you do uh where you're actually scouting for bobcats what do you call scouting for bobcats well what i call scouting for bobcats is there's two main things i'm looking for number one is scat because if they're putting scat on the ground chances are that cat's telling me that he's living right there pretty close most of the time when they get up out of their bed that's one of the first things they're going to do they're going to they're going to get out of their bed stretch out stroll down a you know a, a cattle path somewheres and find their their marking territory and they're and they're going to lay some scat down right so that Number one, that's the first thing I look for when I'm looking for a cat stand. Right. And generally, you find cat stand or a cat scat in that area, you're, that cat's right there. He's living right there. Right. Uh, tracks, tracks can be deceiving because a cat at night, you know, will cover. They they really do cover some ground. A lot of people don't think that they do. A big palm will, will, will travel quite a ways, you know, at night. And, uh, you know, in the daytime, of course, they don't move that much. But uh, so that's the number one thing I'm looking for in that cat stand. The problem with in my area here this year, this, this fall and winter, John, we've been so stinking dry. We're we're in a pretty bad drought, <clears throat> but it's it 
that can work into your advantage too with with water stores right that's another thing i'm looking for because a cat just they love to be around water so i've been looking at farm ponds uh springs running out of the ground little little creek arms um so those are the things that i put together first off in a cat right well you know talking about the scouting all states are different you know, it's the same thing for bobcats and coyotes. You know, some states, some areas have more bobcats than others. It's like right. here in my home state of Kentucky, uh, we do have cats, and the area that I live in is probably one of the better bobcat calling areas because we've probably got more cats than, than other parts of the state, uh, especially mm-hmm. like if you were talking about the western part of the state and probably the northern part of the state it's just because we got the better habitat for it but still right. here in kentucky no matter where you're at we we've got a season of course where most states do uh right. but we've got a, a limited quota uh, or limited bag limit uh each hunter is only allowed to take three bobcats in the state of kentucky and in your state of missouri where you live it's is it unlimited or how many cats are you allowed in missouri yeah we're, we're unlimited i mean we could we can shoot as many as we want, right. trap as many as we want. Uh, so we're, we're pretty fortunate when it comes to that, you know, that right. part, uh, you know, and I understand why those other states do that, you know, uh, bobcats were one time on an endangered species list. And, and I think in some areas they still are. And that's why, you know, our DNRs and our conservation agencies and stuff ask us to tag those cats. Right. Right. Well, that just that just goes to show you too. If one state has a bag limit, I think like PA has a bag limit of one. Kentucky right. has a bag limit of three. And then you start talking about states like, you know, Missouri, unlimited, um, Texas, you know, Texas unlimited. So yep. you know, there's definitely different populations in different states. So some people might be listening. It's like, well, good grief, bobcats are everywhere. What do you mean? Why you got a scout? Just go out, and start calling. You're gonna call them up. Well, you might do right. that in South Texas, but that don't mean you're gonna do it in, you know, Tennessee or, you know, or wherever. You know, just pull any right. state out of them. So some places, scouting can really, really pay off. Even in those states where you do have a higher population, uh, scouting can still pay off for you. You know, you can know that, you know, one thing about scouting, if you do find sign, you do find where cats have been, you know you've got a cat to call to, right? I mean, it's just just yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. simple fact. So scouting is, I'm glad you brought that up. Did you? When I first talk, called you, I thought you was out there scout for coyotes. So that's pretty good that you scout <laughs> for bobcats. It ties right in with what we're talking about. So that's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, and that's one thing, you know, I mentioned that I wanted to cover a few things that uh, leading up to sounds and sequences, you know, you're, there's just so many other things that's important. You know, your stand selection and stand setup, in my opinion, are crucial for being consistently successful on calling bobcats. You know, like I said, everybody wants to know about the sounds and sequences, but if you're not setting up correctly, it's, it's not going to matter much what sounds you're playing. Cause if you're not calling to a cat, you can't call a bobcat up, right? <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And it and that works for coyotes too. I you know, I try to tell a lot of guys, you know, everybody wants to to think there's that secret sound that, you know, guys like you and, and Al Morris are using, you know, when you see pictures of five or six coyotes laying on the tailgate of a pickup. And really, you know, you guys and me included, you know, we gotta work it the setup first those are the fundamentals of calling 
is the setup and then you know the calling will come with it too you know later on right so i try to tell guys when they ask me about sounds you know i'm not calling anything in i ask them what's your setup like well what do you mean well take me through your whole setup and then i'll i'll see what you know i might be able to try to help you out right so it's very key that's a very important part of any kind of predator calling exactly and like i said and we're going to get to sounds and sequences on this podcast and uh but i think we got to start off just talk what we said and that stand selection and mm-hmm. core you know you done talked about the about scouting a little bit what you're looking for but uh tell us tell us what you look for in an actual bobcat stand what kind of areas are you looking for what kind of what kind of areas or habitat do you concentrate on to make your cat stand because I know a lot of times, you know, you might have a bobcat scouted out and you're going after that cat, but you're also making blind stands as well. Like you're just picking out habitat or certain yes. features out there in the terrain. Said, man, you know what? I bet that's holding a cat. Won't you tell us what yes. you're looking for there? <clears throat> well, I'm always looking for something that's, that's a, br- you know, got a lot of brush, you know, or, a, or an open pasture that's adjacent to, uh, you know, a big stand of brush. And the reason is, is, you know, these cottontails and these, stuff like that you know they they want to be in there too because they're vulnerable to you know birds of prey and and stuff like that so i'm always looking for something that's you know that holds a lot of brush and so that's the main thing and on top of that too in my area i've got a lot of hills and hollers you've you've been out here hunting with me it's and we've talked about this before it's a good mix of you know something that looks like Kansas and something that looks like, you know, middle Kentucky, you know, it's right. just, it's got the good parts of both of them. And, uh, so I've got a lot of rolling Hills, got a lot of valleys. I've got a lot of Creek, uh, a lot of fresh water. And so me personally, I look for those ridges. I look for a ridge that's got maybe a lot of growth around the, the edges of that ridge. I don't know why a cat wants to be on a ridge, but it seems like everyone that I, that I call off a ridge, it, it's coming somewhere's off the, the middle part of that ridge, like right. where they want to bed up in the middle of the day or whatever. But <clears throat> I try to stick away, you know, stay away from, uh, anything that's, you know, pretty open. You know, I think if a cat feels vulnerable, you know, out in the open and, uh, and you know, nighttime guys, they kill them cats out in the open, which it's different. You know, they're those cats nocturnal coming out at night. They're hunting voles. They're hunting mice, you know, that are out in those pasture fields and stuff. But a daytime cat, he's, he's bedded down. He's going to be over in that brush somewhere. Right. So that, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something that just, and it don't have to be very big. I've called cats out of a, out of a thicket on top of a ridge that, probably wasn't no bigger than 75 yard radius, you know, of brush. Right. You know, it, it this, it's just something about it. They want to be in, that's where they want to be. Right. So that's what I look for. Yeah. And a lot of times that's all it takes, you know, then, you know, here in, in my part of the world here in Kentucky, you know, we've got probably, I don't know, y'all have got a lot of timber too, but you know, we can get in the bigger spreads of timber here in my type in my part of the country and it's total different type mm-hmm. terrain it's these it's knobby hilly rolling type country not that you don't have that as well but 
I guess it's one of the things when you start talking about bobcats all across the country, everybody's going to run into their own little uh, – every place is going to be different. You know, you're going to run into yeah. your own challenges as far as terrain goes and number of animals, yeah, but but the bobcat itself is still always going to be the same type of creature. Uh, your creek right. bottoms, river bottoms, stuff that's logged areas – places that are just growed up thick usually those are hot spots for cats those are definitely places to look definitely places to key in on to try to call for bobcats um, you just mentioned earlier about how dry it's been in missouri it's been dry across most of the u.s so keying in right. on on water sources can be key not just because the bobcats need water because all the prey animals that they prey on need the water as well so you're going to have songbirds rabbits all that type of stuff it's going to be congregating around that water as well and it's just a perfect place for them to hunt yes and a, and a bobcat is an ambush type hunter that's you know they're you know a coyote they're more of a opportunist you know they're running around at night you know feeding off the cow piles or bowls or something like that and a, and a bobcat's a little bit more of an ambush type hunter they do the same things as a coyote does you know as far as you know going out in them cow pastures and stuff and, and hunting mice and whatnot but when they're on a rabbit or a bird or even a you know a, a fawn deer they're ambushing that you know to, to, to try and kill it so. right right <laughs> well we just talked about what type of stuff you're, you know, what, what are you looking for in a bobcat stand? So let me ask you this next question is once you've found a stand location where you've either have a bobcat scouted out, you know, he's going to be in a certain area or you found some kind of terrain feature, a certain habitat that you're looking at and say, you know what, that, that spot there might be holding a bobcat. Let's talk about, um, once you actually find your stand location, how, how do you set up, when you're making an actual kite or bobcat stand, how far are you setting your call out? Uh, what are you actually looking for when you're starting to converge in on that uh, that spot to actually call for a cat? Walk us on through that, like you're getting <clears> set <throat> all the way up to hit and play on your remote. Okay. Well, the first thing when I get when I find the location, or if I you know look at it on on, and that's another big key feature is once I do find a spot that I think that might hold a cat. I'll also go back and I'll look it up on Onyx and try to find, you know, on the topos where the sharper parts of that, that valley is, you know, and then I can go in there, find those areas. I look for a good backdrop. Uh, that's, that's key. I always give myself a good backdrop because cats will pick you out so fast. You know, if you're sitting up on top of a, a knob and there ain't nothing around you, that cat, first thing he's going to do is look at you. I, and it, it's just what it is. So that's the first thing I look for. I look, I look in my, my map at that area I'm looking at. Then I'll go in and I'll try to get within no, no more than 100 yards. I, I want to stay 100 yards and less from that area. Make sure I can see, make sure I can see everything around me and give me the advantage and him only one advantage. I want the one advantage that he, he has, I want to be that he could see the call and see the decoy. And you can't always do that, but that's, that's what I tried it. Uh, so then on top of that, I set my call out about probably 
oh, 25, 30 yards. And it's either going to be, I don't want it right straight in line with where, where I'm calling at because I don't want the cat to, to see me the first thing he does when he clears the brush. So yeah. I always try to get it to, to the. Corey, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'd actually got a notebook sitting here and I was sitting there thinking <clears throat> as you was yeah. walking us through that, I wrote down here. Where you put your call? I just got a note here. Where you place your call at in conjunction with you, and where you think the cat's going to come out? Because I was going to bring that up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> exactly right, what right. you're saying right there. So keep on, keep on going. <laughs> Great point right here. Everybody, listen up right here because this is key, key, key bit of information. Okay, so getting back to call placement. Uh, once I find that area and I place my call out, I don't want that call directly in line. With the, with the place I'm expecting this cat to come out. And the reason is because I don't want to be the first thing that cat sees when he comes out of that brush. So I always try to place my call left or right of my position. Uh, and it's usually, it depends on the, the way the wind is blowing too. John, you actually taught me something about bobcat hunting uh, here a year or two ago that I really didn't really ever put in this perspective i didn't think cats use the wind like a coyote does and generally they don't but it seems like a cat that maybe might have been called in before or is just an older cat they they tend to do that and i actually got one on video last year after you and i had actually talked about it and after i killed that bobcat i'm like john john's absolutely right It, it just happened to me you know that cat tried to cut the wind on the call and he, and he ended up did, but I was, I was in his way from getting away. So right, <laughs> it kind of right. worked, it kind of worked out in my advantage. So that's a good point too, right there. I always try to set it up somewhat like a coyote stand too, because of the wind. So with me moving that call left or right of my position, keeps the cat's eyes off of me and on the sound. And then I go from there. Right. That's, and that's a, <clears throat> talking about placing that call where it's not in line with you and where the bo- where you think the bobcat's going to come out or where a bobcat is. Uh, they get so keyed in on the sound. I mean, when they come out, usually yeah. they're staring a hole right through that call. Well, if they come out and they're staring right at that call and then you're the next thing right behind it to take a seat and you start moving, guess what? Yep. They're going to pick you off. So that is key bit, bit of information. I always try to offset the call somewhere where if when a cat comes out, he's going to be looking at the call and there's no way he can see me unless he has to turn his head left or right. You know what I mean? I don't want him to yeah. be looking straight at the call then straight into me. So that's a great Great point. And then the next thing that Corey just brought up was wind direction. I've actually got that down as the next thing I was going to mention to Corey, and we'll go ahead and start talking about that. One, um, I guess, would be a myth, you might say, and I have seen where people have wrote this in articles. I've seen where they have wrote this, you know, typed this out on social media pages and stuff like that. When the topic comes up, they'll talk, when they're talking about wind, they'll tell you, that a bobcat doesn't care about the wind. I'm here to tell you it's false. I have seen on a couple, more than a couple occasions where a bobcat has actually boogered. And when I say boogered, I mean like got spooked and run off because he has winded the hunter. I've actually filmed it. I mean, I can show you video evidence of a cat come out and actually hit the scent, hit my scent cone and the cameraman's scent cone, 
stop right in its tracks, look around a little bit, turn around and run off just like a coyote would. Mm -hmm. So they can booger on your, not saying every one of them, because I have called in bobcats that showed up from directions I didn't expect them to and walked right to the call with every bit of my wind blowing right up their snout and they didn't care. But I have caught run into situations where some cats do. So I always hunt the wind, even when I'm calling for bobcats. And another reason I do that, if I've got a, a thicket that I know a bobcat's held up in, I want to make sure the wind is my favor. I don't want my wind blowing from me to that thicket, not just because of that bobcat, but also because of coyotes. Because, yep. Corey, guess what's going to happen if I start playing Mrs. McCottontail and a big old fuzzy coyote runs out? I'm going to bust his hind end. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and guess what's going to happen if I start calling and my wind's blowing down in there? What's going to happen with that coyote? And he's going the other way. Exactly. So I always want to hunt the wind no matter what I'm calling for because all, coyotes are always, you know, if they come out to the call when I'm calling for bobcats, I'm not giving them no passes. There's no free free passes right here with John Collins. He's going the coyote's <laughs> going to get it. And another thing, like I said, I have seen bobcats booger on on wind and run off. And and they, if you, you know, when people call out bobcats, usually they come a little unhinged and they shoot them pretty quick. But if you'll watch a bobcat and let him do his thing and let him come up there to the call, you'll actually see this a lot. They won't start circling out to the downwind side like a coyote usually does, you know, from far off. But what will happen, if you let them get close enough, using that last 10, 15, 20 steps, you'll see them start to circle the call. Oh, yeah. And using what the direction they're circling is to the downwind side. Happens a lot. Uh, it does happen a lot. And like you said, I, you know, I – I thought it was a mythical thing up until a couple of years ago when we, when you and I got to talking about it. But last year I actually filmed it too. I mean, and the cat didn't cut my scent cone. He actually cut the scent cone on the call and just so happened. I was, I was in between him and the call. So it, it, it like I said, it worked out in my advantage. Right. There. It didn't, didn't help him none, did it? No, it didn't. <laughs> hey, speaking, speaking of not speaking of things working out or not working out, I heard you. I heard you missed a bobcat there a week or two ago. Boy, those those sure do hurt, don't they? I know you've missed them. <laughs> I have. I have. Yeah. Tell, tell us about tell us about that stand. That was just here just a few days ago, right? It's been yeah, probably about ten days ago. Um, first cat I called into the season, and this this will go into a lot of what we're talking about too. Um, Actually, when I seen this bobcat, I actually thought it was a coyote. I seen this cat, this cat running in from about four or five hundred yards away, across an open pasture. He was he was close to timber, but he was running right down the edge of it. And I thought, well, here comes a bobcat, or, or excuse me, here comes a coyote. And I turned my position because he was coming from a direction I wasn't expecting anything to come from. And he gets about three hundred yards, and I notice I'm like. That's that's Bobcat. So I actually cut the sound off because if he was downwind, I really didn't want him to come straight into the call. And once I realized what was going on, I turned the call back on. Yep. But what happened is that cat when I after I turned that call off and I'm talking like twenty seconds, he he already lost interest. And so I'm watching this cat come down this hill. And he's actually going away from the call at this point. And I thought, well, 
I just, I might as well shoot him right there. So I leaned in on my swagger bipods to try to get a good steady shot. And I almost had the shot. I had my safety flicked off and the cat was actually mousing out there and he, he was jumping around and he moved position. So I had to reset my stick and I was leaning back in for that shot again to get real steady on them, on them swagger bipods. And my finger hit the trigger and I shot right in front of him. I was not even ready to shoot yet when the gun went off. That's the problems with the, you know, wearing gloves when you're hunting sometimes, but completely on me. I missed that cat filmed him really, really nice cat. And well, maybe I'll go back in and kill him here in the next few weeks. I don't know what see. <laughs> oh, a pretty good cat. And you say, well, it sounded like it was, you thought it was a coyote at first. Must be yeah. I mean, he, he was pretty good cat. I'd say in that mid mid twenties range, probably about around a 25 pound cat. That's a good cat. Anything in mid twenties yeah. is up. It's a big cat. If you ask me. So yeah, maybe not to the guys down there hunting the big bobcat contest down in Texas. That's not a big cat for them. They're looking for a lot bigger, but <laughs> Well, when you got six six hundred teams you're competing against, you know you you got to get all the weight you can down there. So, <laughs> well, we've talked we've talked a little bit about stand selects. We talked about scouting there just a little bit, touched on all that stuff, and and like I said, guys, it's, that type of stuff goes a long way. But we talked about the stand selection and stand setup. Now we're getting right up there close to start talking about sounds and. Uh, sequences and stuff like that but i want to ask you about the, before we start talking about specific sta- uh, sounds uh let's talk about call volume a little bit Corey. what mm-hmm. what what range are you running your sounds as far as call <clears throat> volume goes and let everybody know which which unit you're running so they know kind of com- what to compare with okay so i i've been running the x24 ever since it come out and i, I that's the call i'm still currently using <clears throat> so most of my cat stands when i when i start my sound it's usually not not 50 percent volume i'm usually starting around that 20 range so it's a little less than 50 percent no i guess that is 50 percent it goes to 40 I, my, my apologies yep so i guess i'm right there at 50 percent and that that's where i always start my stand at and the reason being is i don't want to push anything out of the area with too much volume so that's where i start at and immediately, immediately when I start my call, within the first 30 seconds, I'm, I'm on the, the remote or the volume key. I'm up and down. I'll ramp that sound up, maybe take it to 24 to 26. I think I've got mine set on, you know, two second in, or two volume increments. Yep. And then bring it back down to 50%. And then I'll take it sometimes as low as 10 on the volume uh and the reason being when i do that it's usually later in my stand when i when i take my volume way down like that because i've seen it more than once the cat sometimes if they hang up and you don't see them if you don't know that cat's anywhere in the area you take that volume way down i think that cat really feels like the sound's going away from it right and i've i've seen cats when you turn that sound down they'll posture up and they'll they'll start coming on in and i I know you've done it we've all seen cats hang up there's sometimes there ain't nothing you can do them they might be sitting at 100 yards and they'll just sit there doesn't matter what sound you play but so that's why i always play with that volume i'll ramp it up especially on a windy day really get that sound out there and then 
bring it back to 50 percent and like i said get towards the end of my stand really ramp that sound down there about about 10 or 12. yep so you're running everything from volume 10 on the x24 all the way up to 26 ish we might say yeah yeah <laughs> i usually don't get much higher than that so I, i'm not going to say i don't just because a lot of times i'm not looking down at the remote you know paying attention to my you know levels of my volume right right i try to stay in that area yeah well we're pretty similar on that i'm usually i'm like you said i'm starting out around 50 percent. it's usually around 18 20 22 somewhere in there then i'm just like you said i'm i'm ramping the volume i'm i'm a i'm big on using the volume keys up and down anytime i'm running any kind of prey distress i'm doing that it doesn't matter if i'm calling for bobcats coyote fox or whatever it just creates a little bit of realism i think that adds to it um I don't get as low as you. I'll be down around everywhere from 15, 16 is about the lowest that I go. And I will get a little bit louder. Uh, sometimes I'll get up to 28 and sometimes even 30. It depends on the stand itself, of course. Uh, but uh-huh. I don't keep it that loud very long at all. The most no. most time my sound's going to be in that 22 to 24, 25, 26 uh, level. I keep my my remote is set on single increments. You know, every time I'm hitting up, it's just jumping one one sound notch, and every time I'm hitting down, it's just one sound notch. So that's just a difference in you know what you like to run and I like to run. There's ne- neither one of them's right or wrong. I mean, they're both right. right because they both work. So it's just personal right. preference there. But uh, um, that's that's great stuff. There you go about call volume. Um, the other units from fox pro uh the x24 is loud that's a loud unit so uh-huh. 26 28 on that's going to be a lot louder than 26 or 28 on a fox pro shockwave which is another great unit but you can probably run your shockwave a little bit louder uh all your other units like the prowlers and and uh, uh, uh hellcat and hellcat pro you're going to be able to run those on a higher higher level you know your hellcat and your prowler you can don't be scared to run them at full volume because they're just not near as loud as the x24 yeah. now that sound's still getting out there i see a lot of people all the time say i don't think my call's loud enough well there it's getting out a lot better than you think but you can run like that prowler and hellcat uh quite a you know at closer to full max volume and you won't be spooking no cats but uh all this good stuff Corey, appreciate that. It's time to start talking about some sounds and sound sequences. That's why everybody oh, yeah. jumped on here because, like you said, when we start <laughs> uh, posting stuff about bobcats or they see us killing them or watch videos, they don't ever care, care about the stand selection or nothing like that. They won't know what sound you're using. So we're going to talk about that. Why don't you talk about some of your favorite sounds that you like to use uh, for bobcats, what you've had your most luck out of in the past, uh, and then we'll go right into giving a sound sequence. But what type of sounds do you like playing for a bobcat stand? Uh, well, it, I know I've got a lot of people that tune into this podcast that follow me, and they all know my favorite sound is Miss McCottontail. I just, I just absolutely love it. I've called in all kinds of stuff with it. Actually, this week I've called in, I've called in a a, a two red fox, or excuse me, two gray fox, and a bobcat this week mrs mccottontail so it's it's at the top of my list for bobcat but uh other than that i really like cagey cottontail it's it's right there almost dead even as far as one of my favorite sounds for bobcat and then i'm a huge fan of 
baby cotton tail. Yep. But don't think that none of these other sounds that Fox Pro has out or MFK has out that are cotton tail sounds. Don't think they won't work because I've called in a bobcat with every one of them. I'm pretty sure. Right. So they they're all effective. These are just the these are just the sounds that are my my top three and what I like to use and that fit you know my style. Right. So well, and but, I, I'm the same way. I'm a <clears throat> when it comes to bobcats, I I'm definitely a cottontail distress guy. Um, yeah. Now, like you said, I have called bobcats in on other type rabbit sounds i've called them in on snowshoe sounds that old uh, snowshoe hair hp from fox pro i've called in man tons of tons of bobcats and coyotes to that i still use it today i've called them in with jackrabbit sounds the old school jackrabbit sound from fox pro lightning jack you know the infamous lightning jack i've called a oh, lot yeah. of bobcats to lightning jack and i actually still use them in my sequence i hold them towards later on in the sequence and usually the reason they're later on is because how I usually run my sequences, I'm in increasing in intensity with sounds as as I change. You know, I start with a with a you know a lighter type, like I say, a baby cottontail, and I just when every time I switch sounds, it's increasing in in intensity you know there ain't yeah. much more intense than lightning jack so it's usually <laughs> the last <laughs> yeah. one that gets played but i'm right there with you my two favorite sounds are cagey and cagey cottontail mrs mccottontail um they're always in my sound sequence when i'm focusing in on cats two other sounds that are killers for me especially when it comes for bobcats and you just mentioned one of them is baby cottontail and uh it, it's just good for all predators and then uh, to name a fourth one eastern cottontail eastern cottontail has been a been a really good cat caller for me all across the country i think i've uh i've called bobcats in three or four different states to eastern eastern cottontail and when i talk about eastern cottontail you know a lot of guys and they might see that sound fire like eastern cottontail well I'll just run it east of the mississippi no, I've called a bobcat. I didn't kill the cat because it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't allowed to at the time when we called it. I didn't have the proper permit and stuff. We just called for coyotes. But I was up in uh, the northwest. <clears throat> excuse me, up in the northwest, up in Oregon, and uh, I was in the mountains and caught up a big old fuzzy bobcat to eastern cottontail. So, one one great sound that uh, don't get talked about a whole lot, but it is a absolute bobcat calling sound is eastern cottontail. Yep. And I know I, I hunt with some guys. I mean, I'm not going to give any any details on where these guys are at. They might get mad at me if I tell them, you know, about the sounds they're running in the area they're running. They hunt a lot of contests, but uh, hunt with a couple guys out of state, and uh, they kill a lot of bobcat. And they really surprised me here about four or five years ago when they told me one of the sounds that they were using to, to kill bobcats with, and it's getting distressed oh really oh so, yeah yeah they and they that's one of their go-to sounds is getting distressed and i'm not brave enough to use it around here <laughs> i'm not gonna say oh, when i'd say it work no doubt oh oh i'm sure it will i i use it's one of my sounds that i'll use at the end of my stand it's like you know that last coax or raw <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm trying <laughs> everything else, else what's it gonna hurt type thing exactly <laughs> <laughs> I tell you other I tell you other sounds that are great that I that I don't use much 
for bobcats. I have used them in the past, and I've had success with them as bird sounds. Bird sounds yeah. are are killer. Now I'm just such a, I just have so much luck with cottontail. I just don't steer away from it much. But there's been mm-hmm. several different bird sounds, different woodpeckers, nutty nuthatch, several bird sounds that I've I've called cats to as well. I know um, I know some guys that kind of like what you was talking about. I they were they hunting. They're hunting here in Kentucky. They're a few counties away from me, but they call a bunch of a bunch of bobcats to cardinal cardinal distresses like cranky oh, really? cardinal and stuff like that which makes sense for kentucky because if you know anybody knows anything about basketball if you follow college basketball at all a kentucky wildcat loves tearing up a louisville cardinal so it just <laughs> makes sense you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good right there <laughs> yeah well tell, tell us walk us through a, a bobcat calling sequence that Corey groff likes to run and has a lot of success with well, and, and I'll I'll just reframe to to some of this calling. It's not exciting calling. It's not like you know throwing vocals out there to coyotes and getting responses and stuff like that. It's a, it's a little bit more boring type of calling, uh, just because it's it's kind of monotonous. You know, listening to the same rabbit over and over and over. Uh, but to kill a bobcat, to me, that's that's what you got to do. So I start out either one or the other the top of my list is going to be either cagey cottontail or miss mccottontail like john and i talked before immediately i'm going to start running that volume up and down play that sound for usually four to six minutes and if i and here's another tip i don't change the sound if i see a cat coming uh there's no need to he's already locked on to the to the sound he's coming there's no need to to switch the call as long as he's moving and he ain't hung up i'm gonna i'm gonna keep playing that sound whether it it takes him 10 minutes to get there um but if not like i said running that four minutes to six minutes uh right at the end of that four to six minutes i'll probably run that sound down a little bit where it's pretty low volume before i flip to my next sound. i never cut it off never give it a pause I'll just roll right into either KG Cottontail or Mrs. McCottontail, and I'll start my sequence all over again. Keep it going. Run that another four to five, six minutes. Volume up, volume down, and still, if nothing's changed, nothing's coming, I may run into one of the many sounds that you and I have been talking about. That's where I get start to get to the end of my rope. Uh, I'm like you. I, I start picking out other other sounds. It may be a baby cottontail. It may be the CF cottontail. Maybe the DSG cottontail, which is another very good sound. Yep. One that I haven't probably mentioned on this podcast yep. before. I've called a ton of stuff in with that DSG cottontail. So it's in my arsenal. It's a, it's it's in my you know cottontail category. Uh, but most likely, I'm probably gonna stick with with uh, either cagey cottontail uh mrs mccottontail baby cottontail those are the three main sounds that i'm going to start my sequence off and i'll run them sounds all the way like i did four five six minutes and somewhere's around that 15 to 18 minutes sometimes 20 minutes uh i get a little bored after about you know 15 20 minutes of sitting there listening to rabbit and i'm ready to go to the next stand right right 
that's oh. that's good stuff and and my my sound sequence is very 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 similar um i'm gonna be running anywhere from three to five different rabbit sounds on a stand and it just depends on the stand location it depends on if i think that i for sure have got a cat in there if i think i for sure got a cat in there i'll run up to five different sounds and it'll be about a 25 minute stand or so um the main difference in my stand my sound sequence versus Corey's is is i'm I'm doing that four to six minutes. It's usually around four or five minutes what I'll run each sound through. But instead of rolling right into that next sound like Corey does, the only difference for me, and it's just just personal preference, uh, I do a short pause. But it's short. It's like 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds max of a pause in between uh, changing sounds. And uh, then go right into the next sound. And usually I'm starting off with usually I'm starting off with cagey um, cottontail or eastern cottontail. Sometimes baby cottontail, but usually it's going to be, you know, eighty percent of the time it's going to start off with cagey, and then the other twenty percent of the time, or you know, fifteen, seventeen percent of the time it's going to be eastern cottontail. But I always save, and it's just something that's this happened over the last two or three years. And another reason it's only happened the last couple of years is because the sound that the sound hasn't been out forever, and that right. is uh, my usually my second sound in the sequence is Mrs. McCottontail, and there's a reason I've moved it there. One thing I've noticed with Bobcats over the last few years with all the cats that we put on film, a lot of times these cats are actually showing up and closing in and on the call when I change sounds. It's on that sound change, so I'm killing a lot of these cats at that four, five, six, seven minute mark. And it's it's like a minute or two after I've changed sounds. So I'll run, say Cagey Cottontail, first sound I'm start playing. I'll run it for four minutes. I'll take a short pause for that 20 to 40 seconds and then I go right into Mrs. McCottontail. And right here's the kicker. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, it's something about that pause and then going into that second sound, it seems like it triggers them. I think they started yep. coming to cagey or whatever that first sound I played. It could be Eastern Cottontail. But they started coming and slowed down or whatever, and then I hit pause, and it almost like they think they've lost that rabbit or whatever goes through their mind. And then when you hit Mrs. McCottontail, which has got a different rhythm, it's got a different tone. It's just a little bit different sound, and it just like it creates a little bit of excitement in them, and they come rushing on in. And that's where we kill a lot of our bobcats. But if they don't show up on that second sound, again, I'm going to play it for four, five, six minutes, do another pause, and then go into a third rabbit sound. Run it and just the same thing all the way up through maybe five sounds, and it depends on the stand. So usually I'm starting off with like cagey cottontail, four to six minutes, a short 20 to 40 second pause, then going right into Mrs. McCottontail, again, four to six minutes, 20 to 40 second pause. And then my third sound will be like Eastern Cottontail, right? Or Adult Cottontail is another good sound. DSG yes. Cottontail, you just mentioned, that we haven't talked much about over, you know, last several, well, any podcast really is a great sound. It's an older sound, but it is a great call, you know, sound for bobcats and coyotes. But then, yeah. if I don't get nothing to those cottontails, this is where I really start increasing in my intensity. My fourth sound might be a snowshoe sound, like snowshoe hair HP, 
and my fifth sound will be like lightning jack. So what's going on? I'm kind of increasing in intensity with each sound as I progress throughout the stand, kind of like what I mentioned before. And But usually I'm killing all my bobcats within eight minutes. Yeah. Um, I have killed bobcats at that 15 and 20 and 25-minute mark. But, man, over 80% of them, maybe 90% of them is in the first 80 or first uh First eight minutes, it's either to that first rabbit sound I play or it's that second rabbit sound I play. Yes, and I think that all dep- that all has to do with, with picking your stand location and crowding those areas, you know, more so than what you would, you know, like a coyote stand. So, I, and you got to cut the distance on a cat because they don't want to travel to, you know, that far. Right. So those are the reasons why I think, John, you and I are seeing call-ins you know, at less than 10 minutes is we're, we're really crowding those areas. Right. And that's the reason we started this podcast out with, I think there's some things that are, that are often overlooked and that is your stand selection and your setup. If you're, if you're picking high percentage stand locations and you're setting up properly, you're finding cats, you're setting up on them close, crowding them good, rest of your setup is solid as far as how you got your call placed, your wind direction, all that type of stuff. That's when you start throwing in your sounds and your sequences. And if you're on those cats, you're going to call them in. Yes. They're, they're not as hard to call in as a lot of people think. A lot of them is kind of like a lot of hunters think a cat is, is some kind of mythical creature that's so much harder to call in, but they're not. I actually think they're easier to call in than a coyote is. I think so too, especially once you, once you, you know, put the put the work in like you and i've done break down these stands find the scat crowd these areas i think the success rate will really go up on a lot you know on a lot of these stands for these guys and and i i, I agree i think they're they're pretty easy to call in and you know i'm not boasting you know i'm not, I'm not boasting because we kill a lot of bobcats i think we've just you know we've it, we've got a lot of experience doing it right you know oh so. yeah and and just to kind of tie all this stuff we're talking about to kind of tie it in to show you how it can work for you my first bobcat of this season uh kentucky's bobcat season come in it actually comes in during our rifle deer season i don't ever hunt them during that deer season because we got so many deer hunters out there and you got to go wear orange if you're going to chase them so i wait for the season to go out you know the deer season to go out and as soon as it's out if i've got the weather I'm hunting them that next day, you know, that first day after rifle season goes out. And uh, me and my cousin David Reed, which you know very well, oh, he yeah. actually owns a piece of property that he was deer hunting heavy. He he tagged his buck. He was done deer hunting. But, of course, like I said, we don't, you know, bobcat season came in, but we kind of held off, waited for the rifle season to go out for deer. But anyway, while he was scouting, throughout deer season he got tons of pictures of a great big old tom bobcat we didn't know it was a tom but just going off the size of it we was pretty sure it was a tom i mean he was pretty consistent get him just every few days so we knew exactly where we were going to go call he's got this uh he's got this little draw system runs on the back side of his property that's where he had a couple trail cameras at and consistently getting pictures of this cat so we went in there on that first few days of the season knew exactly where we want to set up, got in there, got to calling, and, man, it worked out really well. We had a pretty good idea where the cat would be held up in this draw system. 
We keyed in on that area, slipped down there and got set up as tight as we could to the cover. We actually set up on the edge of the cover and actually placed our call out into a wide open soybean field, okay, that had just been cut. So it just looked like a desert out there, but we only had the call set up about 50 or 60 yards away from the thicket. And guess what? We got to calling, went through cagey cottontail. Actually, we went through, I played Eastern Cottontail first on this stand. Played Eastern Cottontail, played it for four minutes. I took a short pause, went right into Mrs. McCottontail, and right down in front of me, right on the edge of this thicket, I seen a little bit of movement. And I started to say something to David. He was filming for me. I started to say, you know, telling him, hey, I, there's something down here moving. I don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden what happened was it was the cat just on the edge of the edge of the cover. But what happened, he turned his head to the left. And when he turned his head to the left, I caught that movement. And then I saw those white patches on the back of their ears. Everybody has oh, wow. got white patches on the back of their ears. As soon as I seen that, I just turned my head over my right shoulder and said, Bobcat, 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 right here, you know. <laughs> and then the rest is history. That sucker come creeping right out there into the wide open, this desert-looking uh, cut soybean field that ain't got the highest vegetation in it, ain't even an inch tall. That cat walked out there 35 yards from the cover, Sat down right in front of that X-24, and we put one right in his shoulder. The 30-plus-pound bobcat. Broad awesome. daylight. Broad daylight. Awesome, Stan. That's awesome. Awesome, Stan. Now, tell us. I want to hear about you. You did kill a cat just a few days ago. Looked like it was yes, a pretty sir. good cat as well. Why don't you walk us through that, Stan? Well, uh, it was a really windy, windy day. Like I said earlier in this podcast, we've had a lot of wind for – whatever reason uh seems you know kind of unseasonable for the wind this time of year but uh got out there made my first stand which was actually a coyote stand didn't call anything in and i i didn't move john i moved maybe four or five hundred yards back to the north i just called this holler out but at the end of this holler is just exactly what we've been talking about what i'm looking for good brush all the way around a ridge top with a draw system in it, a little bit of water there. There was actually a farm pond there and got down to my, my uh, location that I wanted to sit at, had a good back backdrop, went out, set my call out. Actually on this stand, I set my call out a little bit further cause I had, had a draw that was just kind of goofy. I, I was afraid to get, get the call too close to me and not being able to see underneath the, the foot of this, this hill that I was sitting on. So I actually moved my call out about another 25, 30 yards over on a opposite ridge. Uh, started calling right, right, right off the bat, went into Mrs. McCottontail. And actually I was getting, just getting ready to switch the sound. I actually had turned the sound down on Mrs. McCottontail and was looking for cagey. And I looked up on the ridge across the, uh, Bob wire fence. There's a bob wire fence that run up the hill adjacent to where the brush was at, and I caught some movement. Reached down, grabbed my binoculars, looked up there. Sure enough, bobcat sitting up there. So what I did is I went ahead and ramp, ramped my sound back up from where it was at. It was probably around that 14 level on the volume. Went ahead and ramped it back up to around 20. Once I seen the cat start moving, I turned that 
down all the way back down. And I did. I got this down all the way down to probably about 12, 10 or 12. And the cat never stopped. Come across the fence row, got down in that draw system, actually started running once he seen the X decoy. Once he seen that X decoy, he, he started running up the hill. And then it was like he hit a brick wall. He just stopped. And it was just step after step after step. And he did that for probably about 30 yards. And once I could see the, the, the actual Fox Pro and the X decoy in the camera screen and the cat in the same frame, I decided to go ahead and, and shoot that cat. It's time to so, do something with him, man. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a very, very awesome call in. Good cat. Took him back home. I didn't, didn't have the scale with me at the time. But he, he he come off the scale at twenty seven point six pounds. So he's a real good cat. That's a lot of feline right there. Yes, it is. Awesome, awesome. I wish I was there to share it with you. Sound like a fun stand. Uh, yep. I've got uh, some bobcat myths I want to cover real quick, and we'll bounce through these real quick. It's going to be about three or four of them that I think would be good to touch on before we get out of here. But the first bobcat myth or something that's a common misconception i think is number one is bobcats always sneak in yes you will see a lot of bobcats come belly crawling into the call sneaking come very very slow but i've called in many of bobcats that'll run in just as fast as any coyote i've ever called in i mean they could yep. come charging in like crazy have you seen the same thing Corey? oh absolutely and multiple times uh, and I'm sure it has to do with the weather, you know, if we've had a lot of cold or how hungry that cat is, but yeah, I've, I've, they've tricked me sometimes. Well, just like the story I was telling you about the cat that I missed when I first seen that cat, he was running, he was running right. hard. Right. I thought it was about, I thought it was a coyote. Yep. So yeah, that myth there's to me is busted and you know, they don't always sneak. Yep. And, and just, to go right yeah. off that. My second cat of this season I actually called, I actually got down into a thicket that I usually don't do a whole lot of to call this cat. Um, it was a buddy of mine that's, that owns a piece of property, and the reason he's bought this property is the deer hunt. It's a really good deer hunting property. It's got uh, it's got two major thickets on, on the place, and in between those two thickets, it's got some loosely broken up smaller fields that he puts food plots in. Well, he sent me a picture Late in the afternoon, it was still daylight, of a bobcat that had come out of a thicket. He's got it set on a trail that uh, goes from one piece of cover to another. He sent me a, a trail camera picture of a bobcat leaving one thicket and was headed to the other thicket. This was in the afternoon, so I said, heck, I bet I can get on that cat the following morning. He's going to be in that other thicket more than likely. Right. So I went in there, got right down in that thicket. That thicket had been logged. is a block of woods had been logged a few years ago. So it's got a couple really nice trails. I mean, good trails that's been up, that been kept up real good. You can actually drive your truck through them. But there's a section where there's two trails actually cross, kind of down towards the bottom. And I already had my mm -hmm. mind, I'm going to get down there where those trails intersect. And I'm going to go in there with a the shotgun and see if I can't call up that cat. And sure enough, Again, the cat come in on a sound change, on my second sound. But when I seen him running down one of them logging roads, that's what he was doing, was running. He sprinted all the way up to within about 20 steps of my X24 and X decoy, and I burned him down with a 20-gauge shotgun. I mean, come running in just like a coyote. <laughs> a shotgun. I didn't I didn't think I'd hear that from you. You haven't used a shotgun in 
in quite a few years. The funny thing is the last time I'd ever used a shotgun on a predator stand, I caught in a bobcat and the thing got away from me. And I kind of swore them off <laughs> for the time for the time being, but this, this situation just, just called for it. My further shot it, was going to be 50 yards, so why not, right? It, that's right. And I always keep one handy in the truck just in case I find areas like that. I'm not a big shotgun guy either when it comes to predators. I know there's a lot of guys out there that do, but I'm, I'm more of a rifle guy, but, uh, yeah, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have one handy just in case. Bobcat myth. Number two, Bobcats always take their time coming to the call. This is something that I've seen again. I've seen this wrote in many articles, people talking about making these 45 minute hour long hour and 15 minute long, uh, Bobcat stands. Hey, if you don't have any stands to make and you want to sit in there for an hour and call, by all means do it. Can you yeah. call one up on a 60-minute mark? Of course you can. Of course you can. And maybe I'm walking away from some bobcats. But what I said earlier, most of the time, if you're setting up properly and you're setting up tight on cats, you're going to be calling them cats in pretty quick. There's been many a bobcat that I've killed in the first one minute and two minutes of my, of my stand setup. They don't always take forever to come in you can call them in just as quick or quicker than a coyote i agree i i definitely agree and i you know i had this question brought up to me last year actually by a conservation agent um <clears throat> my son and i was in a in a coyote contest and actually it's a predator contest kill any any uh predator in this contest my son and i actually killed four bobcats in one day and conservation agent was going to tag one of the bobcats for me because I was actually going to take it to the taxiderm. So we were out there. He was taking all my information down to put on the tag. And he says, uh, you got a lot more patience than the rest of these guys. And I said, well, why is that? He said, well, there ain't no telling how long it took some of them bobcats to come in. And I said, I said, sir, I said, none of these bobcats was over eight minutes call in and kill. And I still don't think he believes me today, but that is, that is the God's honest truth. All those bobcats we killed in one day, four of them were all less than eight minutes. Yeah. I think it's just one of those common misconceptions. And I think a lot of times, and I've said this before, and I've said this, I mean, I've said this multiple times. I think a lot of times when you hear about people killing, even for myself, you hear about these people killing these cats at 20, 25 and 30 minutes. Well, the thing is that cat was probably there way before that 30 minute mark. You just never saw it. I've actually exactly. had this happen before, you know, get up there at about 15 minutes and all of a sudden, dang, there's a dang on bobcat right in front of me. Where'd that thing come from? Well, that thing could have been <laughs> been within range for an old town how long. I just never did catch it. They just blend in right. so well. If you're close to a bobcat, he's more than likely he's going to show up rather quickly, but, uh, and I think some of that myth, John, comes from a lot of a lot of Western hunters too. I, I will have to add that as a note on on that. Uh, it's a big difference calling yeah. in our type of type of terrain to calling in that terrain. Uh, cat's got to cover a lot more ground if he wants to come out and eat that eat that rabbit. So right. I think I think some of that myth has come from you know Western type hunters. Uh, I'm not saying that you and I couldn't go out west find a location and call one in in five minutes. But I think guys hunting out there, coyotes, 
you know, they, they see those cats coming from a long distance and it just takes them that long to get there sometimes. Well, and that's enough. And I'm not telling guys, listen here, I'm not telling you just to make a eight minute stand because that's when you're exactly. going to kill them. Go ahead. If you want to sit there for 30 minutes, sit there for 30 minutes and you could kill them on a 30 minute mark. I do think that is another situation that comes up just kind of feeding off what you said there, Corey. And you said it earlier. Some of these bobcats will travel great distances, uh, you know, in their travel pattern. And sometimes them things will be traveling right in the middle of the day. They're not always just traveling at night. So there is those situations where it took a cat was on his feet moving around, and he didn't get to where he could actually hear your sound from your Fox Pro until that 25-minute mark. So then he comes rushing in, and you're like, guess what? You killed that bobcat out on the 28-minute mark. It didn't really take him – it might not have took him 28 minutes to come in. It only took him three minutes to come in, but it took him 25 minutes to get where he could hear the sound, if that makes yep. sense. So, yeah, well, I'm sure there's all kinds of variables, you know. To oh, yeah, we, yeah. You know, but uh, for me, and I know for you, yeah, there they seem to be pretty quick for the call. Yep, usually I'm making a 25-minute stand, and I rarely kill them at 25 minutes. I have, but most time I'm killing them in those first eight, ten minutes. So so moving right on, our bobcat myth number three. We done talked about this earlier. We'll hit it real quick again. Bobcats don't use their nose. Yes, they can use their nose. If you've got a cat scouted out or you've got a pretty good idea of of a stand location where you could call in a bobcat, just do yourself a favor and do not hunt that spot until you have the wind in your favor. You definitely don't want your wind blowing from you to where that bobcat's at. Exactly. He can booger on it, not always, but he can booger on it, and you don't want that to cost your stand. And plus, there could be coyotes in there that you might want to burn down as well. So always hunt the wind, no matter what. Bobcats will use their nose. The fourth myth and the last one we'll talk about are bo- bobcats are hard to call in, and or or you can put slash bobcats are intelligent. No. Bobcats aren't that hard to call in. I actually think they're easier to call in than a coyote. I think if you're close to a bobcat and you throw out the right sounds at the right time with the right volume and all that stuff, he's going to come running in there. And another thing, they're not that intelligent. I think a lot of people think that uh, they're a super smart animal because they don't call many of them in. Probably the reason you don't call many of them in is because you've just never been all that close to them. Okay? Right. I think if you're on a cat, and you're fairly close to him, and you throw sounds out there, he's going to he's gonna come in pretty easy. I think they call a lot easier than coyotes do, my, my personal opinion. Anybody, my my opinion. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All thing I was going to say is, is if you've ever been around, if you've ever had pet cats and pet dogs, you know which one's probably the most intelligent. <laughs> exactly. A dog, you can, have, you can teach a dog to a heck of a lot more stuff than you can teach a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The crazy cat lady won't think so, but I agree. But my opinion on that is cats use their senses more than, than they use their brain. And I believe that wholeheartedly their, their ears are, are number one and their eyes is number two. And that's what they live off of everything else in between. I just really don't think, I just really don't think they use their brain. I've got two more questions for you. Then we're going to get out of here, Corey. You ready for okay. them? Yes, sir. Tell me about shot placement on a bobcat. Where you want to shoot him at to anchor him? Well, that's, we can go back to some of our myths on this. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, right behind the shoulder. But uh, you and I have both learned 
that we want to anchor those cats, I shoot them right through the shoulder. That's where my shot placement is at. If I've got a broadside shot, uh, if I got a frontal shot, square chest, that's where I'm aiming at him. Yes, sir. I totally agree. If he comes right into you facing head on, square him up right in the chest. If he's broadside, try to put it through both shoulders, quartering away, try to put it in there where you're hitting the offside shoulder. The same thing if he's quartering to you, put it right in the point of that front shoulder. He'll he'll drop right there. It's like Corey said, if you do hit behind the shoulder, more than likely them cat, that cat's going to jump about 12 foot in the air. <laughs> and as soon as his feet hit the ground, he's going to take off running. And if you yep. got to go search for a bobcat, it's a pretty good chance. You might trail him up and find him, especially if you see him pile up. You know, that's great. But if he goes out of sight, man, they are tough to find just because they, they blend in so well. I mean, you yep. got to step on them before you find them. They got so much life to them, that, and they're so radical when something gets a hold of a bobcat. I don't know if you've ever watched a video of a bobcat getting in a foothold, but they talk about tiger by the tail. Oh, That's man. definitely what you got. They bite up everything, and I, I, they just they just got so much you know, anxiety when something gets a hold of them that they're, they got a lot of life to them. They'll run, just like you said. You don't anchor them down; they're they're gone. That's exactly right. I've got one more question for you, and this is uh, kind of an interesting one. I've been asking. I've asked uh, Andrew Lewan this. I've asked Gage Bohannon this, and I've asked Tori Cook this that you guys won't hear for a couple more weeks. But you ready for this? This is one of those good ones where you got to put you on the spot. Oh boy! <laughs> All right. I'm going to drop you off in the wilderness. No civilization for thousands of miles. Your life depends on you killing a coyote, okay? I'm going to drop you off. You've got to kill a coyote. If you get a coyote killed, I'll fly back in with a helicopter and save your life. If you don't kill a coyote, you've got to live your life out in this wilderness, digging up earthworms and eating snails and tree bark to stay alive okay you understand what you get you get an x24 loaded up with all the fox pro library and the whole mfk library so you're good to go on your call right okay yep the thing that you get to choose is your caliber of rifle or your gauge of shotgun the thing is you only get one bullet i give you one shell so what's going on here to save your life, you got to call a coyote up. You've got one shot to get him killed. What is your choice of cartridge? What what cartridge are you taking on this hunt? It can be any kind of rifle cartridge. It can be any kind of it can be any kind of rifle caliber. It can be any shotgun gauge. What are you choosing to take to make sure you anchor that coyote and get him killed to save your life? To save your life. You got to kill a coyote. You only got one shot. What is it? Well, I've killed more coyotes with this cartridge than any than any other cartridge out there. Even the new stuff that I've been running here the last couple of years, and it's twenty two two fifty, and that's what I'm going to take. My man, <laughs> you know I like a twenty two two fifty. I know I. You know I love a twenty two fifty. I actually shot one out shooting nothing but predators. And when I shot that gun out, I had it made into a 
to a 22 Creedmoor, but uh, like I said, I know I've shot more coyotes with, with that gun than any right. other gun out there. So that that's what I'm going to take. So you don't even consider a 22 Magnum or a 17 HMR or a 204 Ruger? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> My life depends on it. I'm taking the the 22250. Yeah, boy, boy, it makes you think different on calibers if it's something talking about to save your life. I know nobody ever thinks, well, I got to kill this coyote to save my life. But hey, what if you was put in that situation? What caliber will you take? All you listeners, think about that. What caliber would you take if it, your life depended on you killing a coyote? I think that's awesome. And, I love hearing everybody's answers for that. <laughs> and, it, and it is very awesome. And you know, and I, I almost picked the a 22 creed more or 243 just because of the little bit more of a punch there but like i said i gotta go back to my roots confidence yep Yep. i killed i've killed a lot of coyotes and a lot of bobcats with 2250 so that's what i'm taking well that's good stuff and y'all stay stay tuned for an upcoming podcast to hear tory cook's answer it's a good one tory i love tory's answer wait till you hear it you'll get a kick out of it i think i sure did i thought it was awesome but but Corey, we appreciate you coming on here and uh sharing Thank your you. experiences with bobcat colin and we hope you have uh continued luck throughout the rest of this bobcat season i'm actually going to head to kansas here in a few days and see if i oh, can't take some bobcats out there well i'm gonna look forward to seeing those pictures would you like to leave us with anything before we get out of here well thank you guys for listening uh i hope this podcast helps you out and if you got any questions hit me up on any of the social media i'm, I'm on all platforms so um. yes sir guys take this info hopefully it helps you out if you try using these uh calling sequences for bobcats and you are successful hey tag us up on social media i want to see yeah, the pictures let us know. i want to see that you tagged a bobcat But good luck out there to everyone. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode, and we hope you join us again right here on the Fox Pro Podcast.